0: Hmm. wonderful sure man the I said to Mike now you know one of the awesome things about the Lord is uh, um, I don't think I've ever heard just the the, the lead up to that song um, you know the great is the Lord greatly to be praised to be feared above all gods to be feared above all men but the just that you know that he's the triumphant one and he actually wants to reveal something of his majesty and I was just so you know that's not even the main part of the song I don't think I've ever heard it and yet just that uh, this morning is actually, I feel like God wants to just touch on that, that aspect, that he actually just wants to, through his scriptures and what he's saying to us today and where I feel like he wants to lead us, he's going to reveal something of his majesty uh, this morning. And so if you've been around us um, and you've attended Josh Jen for a little bit, you would have probably heard Andrew um, share on one of the, I feel is like one of the best illustrations when it comes to leading a church or just even being a part of a church, or we could even apply it to our own lives when it's that spinning plates. Have you ever heard of that? Okay, so he uses the illustration of, you know, that he used to go to the circus, the Boswell, I think it was Boswell Wilkie Circus as a youngster. And one thing that really made an impression on him was the fact that, uh, you know, this clown got up, and he had all these little sticks in a row, and what he would do is he'd put a plate on, and then he'd spin it. And as it has momentum, he'd go to the next one, and he'd grab the next plate, and he'd start spinning it. Until he had this row of plates, the problem was that actually by the end of, you know, or maybe even midway, he had to go and revisit the first plate again, just to go give it some momentum, because it was wobbling. And, uh, and it's such a useful picture for us, because it. it is like that, first of all, in our own lives, um, but then also in, in the life of the church. Um, there's so many things that just the Lord just goes, oh, just, just remember, you know, the, that little thing, just go and spin it again. And actually, if I'm if we true to ourselves within a year, I actually haven't preached on this because it feels like there's been so much to preach on, but what's awesome is whether you are a part of this congregation, whether you are visiting for the first time, um, And if your life is in Him, this is applicable to you. Um, And so, I'm really trusting that the Lord is going to speak through um, me today to communicate this well. And so, one of the first plates that we actually spin, even when we come to know and love God, is the one of discipleship, discipleship, making disciples. That's what I'm going to speak on today. And um, making disciples, and and it's actually such an important one that without it, without it, we die, (laughs) because we were never called to just contain something that He gives us, we were called to be the conduit for the kingdom, you know, what's the blessing of the Lord is that, you know, that that He would pour out, as Scripture says, you know, He would pour out His love into us via His Spirit, but it was never meant to just stay in us, it was meant to pass through and go to someone else, and His mercy is that we stay wet in the process, that the pipe stays wet. And we get something of that. But we were never actually called to just contain it, to come in here on a Sunday or whenever, to uh, get fed and never actually go and feed someone else. And so that is actually the gist of making disciples, being a follower of Jesus. And so this morning, it's a well-known scripture. You can turn with me, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, twenty, 20. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, big word, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey most of what I've commanded. doesn't say that, does it? All, another big word, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you. Always to the very end of the age. And so this morning, I want to break it down into two parts. We're going to see how far we get. If we see it's going too long and we'll be watching the clock, we might just halve it, okay? Because there is a lot to be said. But I'm trusting actually the one goes in, in uh, what I would love to do is be able to have both because the one goes in the other one's hand. They're together, they're joined. And so, two, two parts we're going to break it into it's the commission and the command. A commission and the command. And uh, this morning, I want to start with a statement, and then I want to share a couple of thoughts on it, because I don't know about you, but I like to have a little bit of you know, being challenged when, when there a word comes. Uh, otherwise, it's just nice, and we leave, and you go, wow, what a wonderful Sunday. It's like, no, man, give me something to wrestle with, man. Give me something to chew on, so that by the time I get you next week, I've ever had the chance to wrestle it through with guys, and when I say wrestle, it's quite, a, it's quite an abrasive word, hey, um, to, 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 to digest. Is that a better word? To chew. Okay, cool. To to chew or digest and actually to, to work things through, but not just hold these things and go, well, shes, you know, Michal, you're speaking on finances. I, I don't know if I agree with you, but I'm not going to do anything about it either. I'm just going to, no, like, that's not the point. <laughs> Wrestle it through. Come to a conclusion. Speak with guys. Um, and we're open to that. Um, but the two parts, the commission and the command. And so, so this statement that I'm going to make is if you've been with us for any length of time, you would have heard us say that Josh Jen does not exist for Josh Jen. <laughs> Josh Jen does not exist for Josh Jen. And you're going, well, that's quite a strange concept, you know. I thought this was the church I joined, man. I like this church. You've got the banners outside. We've got the building. And there's people I know and love. And, you know, it feels like <laughs> Josh Jen, you do not exist for Josh Jen. And if Andrew, who leads Josh Jen, had to hear me say this, he would go, well, well done. Because he doesn't, he doesn't share any different view. Josh Jen doesn't exist anymore for Josh Jen than the 120 that were in the upper room exist for the upper room. They were never called to stay in the room. They were never called to stay in the upper room. They were called to to greater things. And and I want to look at that today. You know, can you just imagine, just for a moment, just imagine for what God did there. Okay, he says um, Acts 1.8, I think it is. You you might be able to find it, but uh, I'm putting on... (laughs) Putting pressure on Josh. Be He's learning. <laughs> um, but but yeah, just maybe you can put it up. I haven't. Sorry, it's not in my notes. This is just off the. Yeah, try with verse eight. We might need to do nine. <clears throat> okay, one back. So seven and eight maybe. Yeah, sorry, not in the notes. <laughs> just just testing. <laughs> See, as He does His part, we move forward. That's what Scripture says, too. <laughs> okay. Um, but you will receive power. Okay, it was there. Sorry. <laughs> but when you receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, and He actually says to the, the 120, maybe i got the wrong verse here, but He says to them, you know, go and wait. And when you're waiting, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually, I'm going to, um, because the, what you're waiting for is the gift that I've been telling you about. It's the one that comes from the Father. <laughs> and when it comes, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you guys, you're going to receive power. And it's power to be my witnesses. <laughs> power to be my witnesses. And you know what? It's never supposed, to, it was never supposed to stay in that room was never supposed to stay in that room. It was supposed to go so much further. And so, Josh Jen, Azevontain. You do not exist for Josh your generation, Azevontain. You don't even exist for the other congregations only. Sorry, Mike and Shani. You exist for even, you know, Paul would say, I long to preach the gospel beyond you. You actually exist for here. You exist for... Darling? Who's in Darling? Who stays in Darling? We've got Darling guys with us. There we go. Mark, Marianne, and there's many more. You exist for Darling. Who's here from Aisbontay? I mean, from Langabon. You exist from (laughs) Langabon? You see, it was never ever meant to stay here. The problem is, if we stay here, it would be as though the flame that was lit, you just come and you just snuff it. (laughs) And I'm not saying that we won't be able to contain somewhat of the life of God, but His heart for us was never to remain in the same place. It was always to reach beyond ourselves and to reach into the Judea and Samaria, the Langeban and Darling, and the rest of the world, actually globally. And so one of the things, and I spoke to, to Mark about this just now, <laughs> because I saw him pulling out his glasses. It's amazing, you know, sometimes it might be, it might be just uh, by chance, but often I would look for things, you know, that happen on the morning, just asking God for some confirmations whether I should pick up on something. I felt like it's a little bit of a strange word, and that's why I asked, asked him about it. But um, I felt like God wanted to give us bifocal lenses this morning, <laughs> bifocal lenses. And so I asked Mark, I said, does it really help you, you know, because I'm reaching that age now where I can feel, you know, I, I look down, and as much as I hate to admit it, I look down for a good amount of time I'll be reading. And when I look up, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like what the heck is happening? It feels like you've just, like someone's just blurred your vision, and, and it takes some time to come right. And what I'm trusting God for as we work through Scripture this morning, is that there will be something of us being able to focus clearly on the here and now, but having that lens, being able to at any time look up and go, oh my goodness, God, this, it's the great commission. It's so much bigger than we could ever imagine. It was never meant to be contained here. Enable us to see further, Lord. And our vision does this. And we will never get stuck in just this. He's got so much... We touched on it last, was it last week, that we, we call, we're a generation that would call to not stand, stand on the outskirts, but to enter into, to take ground, and to inherit. So that's what God's got for us. Is this making sense? All right, cool. So, a good question to ask ourselves <laughs> is, are you available to God? Because this is now, you know, if it's not here, if, if we call to go bigger than just here, are you available to, to God to be used anywhere, for anything, at any time? <laughs> no, Lord. But I, like, I mean, I stay in Darling, and, and I come down on Sundays because it's cool. You know, it's like it's so hot in Darling, and you know, and it just so happens this chair. No, man. We are not a people of preference. God did not call the people of preference. He called the people of conviction. <laughs> of conviction. Is this making sense? (laughs) Okay. He called the people of conviction. And so, are we willing to do anything at any time, anywhere for Jesus? And I want to show you why that's actually applicable to not just the few that were called to church plant in their lives or to lead churches, but actually in leading yourself. (laughs) What God's asked you to do and me to do and the person sitting next to you to do. Um, and I'm gonna make, we're going to make it applicable for everything. But I, I want us to get this, that the Lord is asking of us, He's commissioning us, go. Go. Be a people that will go. Because as you go, we grow. <laughs> Not only this congregation, but in yourselves too. There's something that comes to life when you go. I'll never forget the trip that we did with these two to Brazil. Life-changing. Life-changing. I would encourage you guys, Go. And there's more more for this. But, uh, you know, uh, God's asking us to have an active approach to reaching people for His name. There's an active approach for reaching people for His name. And so, you know, something that we, um, uh, I've got to be careful how I word this, but we had an incredible time uh, on Wednesday night where we met and we heard the stories, uh, some some of the, the testimony of someone else. And, you know, one of the things that was mentioned was, you know, that actually in the, in the area that they're in right now, there isn't much room to be able to share the gospel. You can only do it once you're asked. And so whilst I hear that, you know, one of the things I even said, you know, we read scriptures, I think it's John, where is it? I think I've written it down. In John um, 13, 35, it says, but, but by this you will know, they will know who I am, hey, by the love that you have for one another. Is that what it says? No, (laughs) it doesn't say that. (laughs) It doesn't say that. It actually says, they will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And so there's something that, you know, one of the things that was said was, um, uh, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. And I want to say that I agree with it on the one hand, but I don't agree with it on the other. I don't agree with it on the other, because actually it says that, uh, you know, they will know that you're disciples, that, that you're Jesus' disciples, but other than that, because they've seen the love. So some the cogs are turning, but you actually haven't given them an opportunity to respond. And so some people will go, oh my goodness, I see that, that's incredible, I want that, and they'll position themselves. Other people, it needs the message, the message that you me, anyone that actually is a believer and follows Jesus has within them, the one that's been entrusted to us, the message of reconciliation. And so this good news: Romans 10:14 to 15. Uh, how then, can they call on the one in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Ezra picked up on this morning. She says, I love how everyone wears slops here so you can see my feet. They're not that beautiful, but they do bring good news. How are the people supposed to see that you're bringing good news if they can't see your feet? Sorry, I shouldn't joke like <laughs> it. But, but uh, it's, it's the truth, you know? And that's the message we carry. And I, I know I make light of it now, but actually, the message that we carry is life changing, it's life giving. we need to get that into us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's life-changing. The fact that, don't cry, bro. (laughs) It doesn't help. (laughs) The fact that God's motive is love and he sends his one and only son because he sees we're actually in a pickle. We're not coming out of it alone. He sends him. And then, not only that, but he comes here and he dwells amongst us. He takes on the form of flesh. He not only lives a perfect life that we can imitate, he says, Live like me, setting the great exo- example ever, but he dies on our behalf. And he says, Okay, now live like this. Live like this. And you know what? <laughs> He desired to do it. He desired to do it. <laughs> and when we come to know and love Him, do we have the understanding that actually, since you're a new creation, it's no longer that you live. It's me that lives in you. So my desire has just become your desire. And you want to know the heart and the, and the root of actually making disciples, making followers of Jesus, is a desire that none should perish. And it should be your desire and it should be my desire. That actually, when we see people walking in the opposite way of what God's called them to, that there's something in us that burns to go, no, I can't. And I know, Lord, it's going to be tough. You've asked us to, to hold a, a tight line on this, but it's going to be tough. But I'm willing to. I'm willing to lead them. We've got to get this into us. And so maybe to earth this, you know, if you've come to know and, and love him, is it your desire that none should perish? Is it your desire? And so my encouragement to us this morning is, is start somewhere. <laughs> start somewhere. I think one of the, the most awesome things is, you know, uh, uh, two things I want to I leave us with, and this is maybe where we, we will need the bifocals here, is that in our going, it's in the everyday. It's in the everyday. What has God put in your hand? It's to reach out. And then the bifocals, to look a little bit further, to outreach. (laughs) Two very simple words that maybe are the best way of illustrating it. To reach out in your local community, coming alongside one another, making sure that we loved, cared for, that you're moving forward in the ways of God, that you're not moving backwards into the ways of your flesh. (laughs) What has God put in your hand? I'll often say, Corbus, Anton, the guys that are running shops around here and have people, a thoroughfare of people coming through them, probably the greatest opportunity to reach people, the greatest opportunity to reach people. And, and that's how my life was changed. I had one guy named Ivan who was relentless in finding me. <laughs> he actively reached. He didn't wait for me to walk into church. He reached. He said, you know, he would come alongside and go, oh, jeez, I see this guy's a surfer. He's in my area of influence. <laughs> Lord, how do you want me to reach him? And he would come and sit and he would spend time with me in the shop where I was working. When I was in the water, he was in the water. <laughs> when my boards were dinged up, and wh- he would give me a board. <laughs> he used every tool that he had available to him and he reached. And tell you right now, that was... It, there were three invites that came to actually stepping back in church. I came from a horrible background in church. I hated church. <laughs> but I saw that some, he had reached, and something in me drew drew me and, and my wifey to, to actually joining them at that church. <laughs> Thinking, you know, that, that yeah, join this one because there's cool people here. <laughs> and then God meets you. Boom. And we never looked back. But it started with someone actively reaching. Are we going? Are we still available to God, using us for anything, anywhere, at any time? And so we get it, we gotta get this into us. Is everyone okay so far? Okay, that's the commission. We call to be his witnesses. The command. And we've got to realize that you know, why is this so important? Why did God command us to make disciples? You know? And it's actually it's good for us to realize this is, you know, his last command, our first priority actually, without it, the kingdom doesn't extend, and so, um, you know, often when when we respond to the gospel, we are a new creation, meaning uh, there's some things, like my son, we've got a one-year, nine-month-old boy, there's some things that he cannot do right now, things he can't eat right now, like sugar, we realize it just doesn't work, (laughs) But we're training him. He's a new creation, and so that there, there's an equipping that needs to happen. All right, and so uh, Ephesians 4:12, and this is where 4:12 comes from. You want to know what 4:12 is about? Equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? For the building up of the body of Christ. That is what it is. Ephesians 4:12. Did you get it? No. You don't need to. I just I just saw the smiles. Um, that is what it is. It's the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Why? So that the body of Christ can advance, so that it doesn't stay in the upper room, or it doesn't stay in Justin, Azefontein, that it advances. It needs to advance. And, you know, I remember, uh, you know, when, I, when we came to know and love the Lord, it wasn't long before someone came alongside us and said, okay, <laughs> Hannes. I love him now, I hated him then. <laughs> and it's, it's important if you're discipling someone, realize this, it's gonna to be tough at times. I really didn't like him. <laughs> he knows it. I share to him. There's still some things I go, we are so different. <laughs> but he came alongside us, him and his wife, he with Stace and myself, and they said, You know what, we're gonna come alongside you and and what we want you to do is we, we we're gonna ask you to do some things. It's gonna be hard at times. We need to explain to you the ways of God. We need to explain who God is. And so that the life that He's given you now, you're the one who's a new creation, you can do your best to honor Him with it. And, I, you know, I remember this dropping in my heart when there was, there was a, um, uh, this first scripture where it was like, oh my goodness, you know, uh, it's not over here in our local context, but I got the bifocals and I looked up and I said, what, we get to minister to the world? Like there's opportunity for us to not just do church here locally? <laughs> Man, I got excited. I didn't really know what it looked like then, <laughs> but, but to be honest, I got so excited, and I remember actually ta- the first person that I ever led to the Lord. It felt like I knew nothing. All I knew was what Christ had done in me, and isn't that what Paul said? <laughs> you don't need to know a whole bunch of stuff. You don't need to have a degree and a doctorate in theology to be able to lead someone to the Lord. It's explaining, it's being a witness of the love of God and what He wants to do for them and His his heart to reach out and that none should perish but all should inherit eternal life. That is it. That's the message we carry. The power is in the message, not in the person. Even as I'm standing here, I'm going like, this is stuff that the Lord's worked into me. I couldn't do an oral at school without shivering in my boots. (laughs) But I've allowed Him to work in me. To be able to do stuff like this. And so you don't need to know enough. It's, it's, but it is important, actually, then, how we equip them. How we equip them is crucial to where the seeing people come through. How many people have led someone to the Lord? Okay. Awesome. Love that. And then out of the how many people, just for those who have, how many people have you seen come through well? Wow. A few less hands. Have you ever asked yourself why? And now there's two aspects to this. Because whilst you can't walk it for them, there are things that you can teach them which will encourage them to walk it out themselves. And so how we teach them is actually um, super crucial to whether they come through or not and to whether they are really our disciples. We say, oh, really disciples? What do you mean, by really disciples? Okay, let's read. John 8:31. If you hold to my teaching, okay, Jesus speaking. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So let's work backwards. If you're really my disciples, you hold to my teaching. So if we don't hold to his teaching, are we really his disciples? And so, there's, there, again, there's two sides to this thing. If you're being discipled, are you holding to what's been taught? But then, for the people discipling, and maybe that's some of the leaders amongst us, and I speak to myself here, are we teaching people to obey everything that the Lord has taught? Not some things. We were chatting about it this morning on our own terms, Christianity on our own terms. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way, well, unfortunately. And so one of the things that we would look at is, and this is a little bit more teachy, okay, but is uh, the, the one side, are we teaching people to be more balanced or are we teaching people to obey? Is the obedience. Because there is a stark contrast between the two. In Matthew 28, teach them to obey all that I've commanded. And so on the one hand, we've got like someone like Anna, Please, if you're a life coach here, hear me, wh- hear me rightly. Um, I think they've got an incredible place and it's super useful. And yet, what generally happens, and maybe I need correcting this, but from what I've seen and the experience I've had, is that a lot of times you'll sit down with a person, you'll assess their life, you'll be able to pick up things that maybe they just are not helpful, help them change those things, and then that would bring about a change within their life. It'll be a little bit more balanced, and actually, we'll be able to live life. Better, okay. Maybe I've got that wrong. I know, and and again, I want to say, please, if you're a life coach or if you have anything to do with this, it's incredible and it has its place. But we need to differentiate the t- the between obedience and balance, and discipleship, making disciples, and a life coach. And so one of the things is, you know, positive change in an area of life, and it will make it better. It will make it more balanced, and it's awesome. Making disciples is that of obedience. It's loving people. And here's the difference. Laying your life down <laughs> and then asking them to do the same. Remember, if you, if you are uh, discipling people, you cannot do it from a place of lack. We can't. <laughs> we can't do it from a place of lack. You can only give people what you have. Even better, give them what Jesus has. Don't give them what you have. <laughs> You can only reproduce what's being produced in you. And so if we are walking with people and we are discipling people, make sure that you're being discipled. Make sure that you're being discipled. Just to, not in my notes, but just, are we teaching them to obey? Are we asking, you know, laying down our life for the sheep and asking others to do the same? That's what Jesus did, and that's what he's asked us to do, teaching to follow Jesus and obey all that he has commanded. And an example, just a quick example of sitting with, like sitting with people, and these are maybe some of the hard things, okay? And I want us to see some of the hard things, because I think if we, we can easily wish-wash and find scriptures and, you know, but this is Jesus speaking now. This is Luke 14, 25. You can put it up on the screen. And I'm hoping it doesn't have the same effect what happened to Jesus. Okay? It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, and his children, his brothers, his sisters, and yes, even your own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That is one hectic scripture. That's Jesus and now what he's not saying, and this is where we need to help people, <laughs> what he's not saying is that you have to forgo your family, because now I only follow Jesus, and this happens, eh? I'm serious, this is, I mean this is one of the, this happens, it's like oh, I count everything a lost, even my family, for the sake of knowing you God, no, Con- context, <laughs> okay, what he's saying is that actually, all those things that you place such heavy importance on, need to be made subject to Christ, the best way I can disciple my little boy at this age is knowing that actually Jesus comes first, and then it's our family. And you know what, my boy, I'm, expect, I'm, I'm expecting the same of you. I want you to grow up like that. I want you to know that even if you love balls, your rugby balls, your soccer ball, even if the Lord grace or gifts you, Um, a gift to become even a Springbok rugby player, I know that actually it's going to stand for nothing before God one day as we stand before Him and give an account for our lives. Well done, my good and faithful rugby player, Springbok. Now, I'm not saying that that's a sin, but I'm saying it needs to be made subject to Christ. Is that making sense? Okay. And so Matthew 24, 26, how's this? uh, This is another one. Uh, Guys, I'm saying this because I've journeyed this. I journeyed this with my own family, which didn't understand. I went from uh, druggy and messing up every area of my life to me turning my life to the Lord, explaining to them, and they're going, yeah, you've just lost it. I mean, that pendulum has swung from there to to there. He's lost the plot, you know. They didn't believe us. They didn't believe Stace night. first. It was okay. We knew what God had done in us. (laughs) And um, it it was a tough pill to swallow, but the fruit came eventually. But we wrestled with guys. Well, we wrestled with our own family with us. Like, oh, but we're having a family event this weekend. Yeah, but guys, you need to know I love you. But I actually, I love Jesus more. And it's because I love him more that I can actually love you well. Because in myself, what's it family or the friends that you can't choose? <laughs> They're the friends you can't choose. I love my family. <laughs> Matthew 24, 26, and this is also NRV. Okay, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it gain someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And so now you're sitting, sitting with guys, and now this has happened, sitting with guys with career. The Lord's just opened up this incredible opportunity They're going to pay me four times what I'm currently getting. It's in Joburg. (laughs) And now you can't make the decision for them because you can teach them to obey everything that's commanded, but you cannot walk it out for them. And we don't want to because it's men and women of conviction. You need to hear God on it. And so, one of the best things you can do when discipling people what do you feel like God's saying? okay, cool, and so now if they're still t- uh, grappling, okay, cool, well, let's look at his word together. It says, you know, that we, we cannot serve God and money, and so, you know, one of the, one of the things that we, we need to understand is that this is where the obedience and the balance comes in. You've got to sit with guys at some stage, or even with our own life, maybe you're having these conversations right now, where well, you sit with people and you go, okay, cool, so a life balance would be go, well, maybe, you know, if you visit every month, then there'd be a way for you to still see your family, um, come to church, things like Obedience would go, <laughs> in making this decision, from what you've told me and from what we've looked at in the Word, would you, do you feel like you would be obeying God or not? tic hectic. <laughs> One of the things I've mentioned to someone recently was actually when, st- when going from a part of the leadership to joining the church, we were starting to actually see some of, uh, sorry, a part of leadership to actually leading. We started to see some of these aspects uh, and, and started to take a few hits as we had conversation with people. <laughs> but we never knew actually that we would need to be okay with not being liked. <laughs> And be okay with that because actually I'm playing, we are playing for the audience of one. And it's not a comfortable feeling, you know, as we sit with people and go, well, what do you feel God's saying, man? Because you you want it for them so bad. And so do we carry this heart? Will we lay down our lives, spend time with people, journey things, things through? Because I can tell you right now, oftentimes it's so much easier to say, wow, that's incredible, man. We've been trusting for finance. It seems God's in it. Go. Because you know what that conversation looks like. I want to ask us as a congregation, as we journey some of these things, are you open to these conversations? And then in your response, then in your response, would you be, remain open to what God wants to do? What He has for your life? Because it says, those who hold to His teaching are really His disciples. So we've got a question. If we're not holding to a teaching... Are we a disciple, a follower of Jesus, or are we following our own desires, our own patterns of thinking? And this is actually in every area of marriage, career. It needs to come subject to what Christ is saying on the matter, and then we journey it with others. Is this okay? Okay. We're in the end. We're on the end. <laughs> okay. I think one of the things, I want to just say this, I'm going to drive it a little bit deeper. One of the things, the worst things we can do, and this counts for evangelism too, (laughs) don't throw the rock in the water just before you're trying to catch a fish. (laughs) That's one of the first things you're taught when you come to, it's like, you're so fired up, and you want to do this well, and so you just go, and, and you actually just mess it up, and there's nothing of the timing of the Lord waiting for what God's doing in your life, that He's leading you to a point to be able to hear what He's saying, we need to be those who actually have skillful hands in how we do it. And so one of the things I feel is actually we, we have become, begun because of balance versus obedience um, and not teaching people the whole word of God. What we've done is we've started to lure people into a false sense of, pro, uh, of following. That actually you can come to know and love God, but you know those things that you really struggle with? <laughs> Like, I have to come to church on a weekly basis? I just want to say, no, you don't have to, but we, we will probably get worried if you're just not here for a long time. <laughs> but I have to... Yes. Yes, you do. Because actually, you're not just being obedient to Mike. Don't care what I think? The Lord is le- way less concerned about our church and 412 movement and the, as He is about His bride. That's what He's coming back for. So please, if you're hearing anything... This is not Josh Jen's way of doing things. This is the Bible. (laughs) This is the way that God intended us to follow. This is the way God intended us to live. And so we cannot be those uh, who are expecting people, especially when they come firstly to to Christianity, that we start to lay the heavy on them. Listen, unless you die, remembering people that have just come to know Christ, (laughs) they've just been faced with their sin. I remember. It was like just all of a sudden the veil's lifted and you go, oh my goodness, God, there's so many areas of my life that have affected you. There's so many areas of my life that I I need to change. And then we come along and we go, well, actually, unless you die. I just want to say, like, if you're doing that, stop it. Stop it. When Judah was born, the first thing that we, we got to hold him We've got to nurture Him. This is God's heart. We've got to feed Him for the first time. What are we feeding Him? Are we talking about the joy of your salvation? How incredible it is that you actually, you one that is no longer perishing away, the decision that you've made, means that actually you're going to inherit eternal life. Incredible, man. Well done. Encourage them. Don't lay a heavy, oh, this is... But also, once they begin to walk and we start making decisions, this is where actually training them well comes in. We need to equip. This is where we see people start to fall off the bandwagon. Because when it comes to it, they haven't properly understood that there's a part of their life, their whole life, that actually needs to be made subject to Christ. Marriages start to fall apart. Our walks with the Lord dry up. It's because actually we haven't come to a true understanding that it's no longer us that live. I'm sorry, this is, it's a little bit direct, but it, I feel like it needs to be. Because we need to understand the ways of God. We need to understand God's heart in this. And so where do we start? What is, it's actually helping people and for us to understa- understand that this is what God did for us. Why? Why, why would we lay our lives down? Well, because he laid his down. And Paul would say, it's in view of God's mercy that this is what he did. He said, I sent my only son. And our response to those we're leading and to being led is, God, you're asking hard things of me. But I will willingly lay my life down because I know this is my spiritual worship to you. There's nothing else I can do but honor you with my life and try best to take people along with me. Does this make sense? All right. Why don't we buy our heads?